Let's talk turkey. Where is King of Kings headed? Uh, let me first refresh your memory. Uh, I'm basically going to summarize the announcement I made two weeks ago. So let me rewind on that and just kind of get us up to speed. So during the season of COVID, very challenging, obviously, uh, our vestry, our leadership has continued to meet, to discern, to discuss, to wrestle, and to pray a lot. All of the above. A lot. Lather, rinse, repeat. So two weekends ago, and I can't believe it was only two weekends ago, so much life has happened since then. <clears throat> the vestry spent many hours together, and we asked some really hard questions. We um, had some pretty risky conversations. We shared stories about the church, past and present. And we listened to the Lord and to each other. We did a lot of listening, lots of wondering. God, what are you up to in the life of our church? What might you be doing? Now, by the end of the weekend, I think I shared this, um, we had such an abiding and shared sense of joy. We really did for what God was doing in our midst, in our hearts, but also in the life of our church. So that joy and unity of the Holy Spirit, God gave us that. It was beautiful and wonderful, and I'm still very grateful for that. We experienced it. And just read about it. We experienced it. So that was a point of gratitude for us, a point of thanks. Okay, so that's the process. You're probably saying, give me the content. Let me do that. So here's what we heard God saying to us in and through that time. No longer business as usual, and we're at a turning point as a church, okay? We're at a fork in the road, so we have some decisions to make. And we really felt the sense of holy urgency over this. Uh, kind of that veritable, like, fire in your belly. And let me be really clear, this wasn't just that panic and anxiety, like, this is crisis, let's, let's make something happen. Let's, you know, that can come from a place of panic and fear. It wasn't that, it really wasn't. Uh, I, I read it as a matter of conviction and of faith. So it was, it was a fire in the belly. There was a holy urgency that went along with our time. Uh, I think God began to reveal how he's using this crisis to sharpen our vision, uh, to attune us to his desires for our future. Again, that's part, I think that was part of our joy, that God heard our pleas and he answered our prayers. He came to meet us and spoke to us. So Aslan's on the move, change is afoot, and the Holy Spirit is speaking right now in specific ways, and we're really listening, we're really, really listening. So we've come to the realization that King of Kings essentially needs a reboot and needs a rethink. Um, the way that will look, we're essentially going to be replanning King of Kings in our next location, and that's likely to be Charlotte, and that will play an essential role. But we're still feeling that out. But that's where we're feeling drawn at this time. So uh, it is my belief and has been my belief that King of Kings will not thrive until we find and land in that new location. I really think that. Uh, our survival, I think, depends on it. And I think that's some of the holy urgency we're feeling, to be quite honest. So just to be really clear, let me kind of beat the horse dead. It's not already dead. Uh, we're not sort of tweaking some things. We're not, uh, let's do a little bit of course correction. No, we're talking about King of Kings 2.0. I mean, that's the short form. That's what we're talking about. Aslan's on the move, changes afoot. This is a clean sheet of paper redesign. So you got to hear that today. Like, that's the first thing you need to hear. So my next question, and maybe yours, is, okay, what's going to guide us as we sort of rebuild, replant, rethink, re-what have you? 
we need a plumb line as we go about this replanting work. Anybody know what a plumb line is? Yeah? Raise your hand if you know what a plumb line is. If you've done any work with your hands or any manual labor, you probably know what a plumb line is. It's an image that's mentioned actually in the Old Testament several times. It's a helpful one. So let me tell you what it is. I, I meant to have like the visual aid. Sorry, you know, liturgical foul. I don't have it this morning. But picture a piece of string or cord with a weight tied at the end. Okay, that's what a plumb line is. What's it for? Well, here's what it's for. When you let the plumb line dangle, gravity does the work and it gives you an exact vertical line. Perfectly straight, right? Very helpful when you're building something, right? Like a house. So painters and carpenters, I mean, they use plumb lines to keep their work straight. So it's almost impossible in the middle of a project to determine what a true vertical line is and to what a true horizontal line is. So you need an objective measuring tool, ergo plumb line. So that's what they use, an objective reference point. Helps you keep things plumb. Is it plumb? I mean, is it straight? Is it true? So it remains true and all your work has to line up with it or you risk it being wonky, a little crooked. So what's our plumb line? as we rebuild, replant, do these things. Well, I'm gonna read you out, and ideally you'd be able to see them, but you can't, but that's okay. I'll tell them to you. Uh, there's some values that will shape us as we move forward. So let me be really clear. All our existing ministries will be evaluated and seen through it. Any new ministry initiatives will be shaped and formed by it. Uh, think of it, uh, my monastic, inner monastic thinks of it as sort of a rule of life that governs and guides the community. So I want you to observe as I go through these, a lot of these values are interrelated. They're not always easy to separate. That's just the way it's worked out. I think that's how God has designed life to be. And just to be clear, although I've given some sort of structure and form to these ideas, uh, the vestry didn't just cook these up. These weren't just like, okay, God, you want us to rethink things? Okay, what do we do about that? Let's come with some great values. No, I mean, I think God in his kindness sort of gave these to us in and through our time together. So we're just trying to steward them faithfully and accurately. And I'm just trying to put some structure around them, okay, so that we can kind of have handles for them. So plumb lines. And I think there are one, two, five. You ready? You ready? Okay. Just need a little, need a little something there. First piece. Were you able to read it? Who can read that? Who has great eyes? Missional. Missional. And party goes, okay, church, missional, blah, blah, blah. That's a buzzword. But let me say a little bit about this. To my knowledge, King of Kings has never had a defined, strong sense of corporate mission. I think you can make a case in our first decade of existence, church planning was sort of the mission. But... I don't see a strong corporate mission that has taken root in the last decade or so. So much of that lack, and for those of you who've been around me any amount of time, have heard me say this, much of that lack of mission, corporate mission, is directly related to location. So let me spell it out for you. We are a regional, decentralized, commuter church that meets in a rented location for two to three hours on a Sunday. Now, that is no lack of luck for the YMCA. We have a home, and that's a great thing. But do you hear the difficulties of that? Do you hear how hard it is to develop a corporate sense of mission as a regional, decentralized commuter church in a rented space we have for two or three hours a week? 
very, very difficult. And if I can be so bold as to say, I think that model is unsustainable. And I think we're destined to flounder at best or fail at worst because of it. So finding a new location is critical to living out our mission as a church. Finding a new location is critical to living out our mission as a church. When done right, location drives mission. When done right, location drives mission. And we feel called to a strong, clear corporate mission as a church. That will galvanize us, I'm convinced. Now, some of you may go, okay, what do you mean by mission? We probably have different ways of defining that. Uh, in brief, I'm talking about very holistically. Very holistically. So am I talking about evangelism? Yes. Am I talking about outreach? Yes. Am I talking about acts of mercy like caring for the poor, the disenfranchised, the least of these? Yes. Am I talking about working for issues of injustice? Yes. Specifically, being active participants in racial reconciliation? Absolutely. We have a role to play there going forward. So in short, mission is about having a redemptive presence in the world. The church has been called the liturgy, which I quote this a lot, the work of the people for the life of the world. The work of the people done on behalf of the life of the world. That's, that's mission. So lest you doubt our intentions regarding mission, check out our new logo. Read about that in Happenings. It is a net. <laughs> and the idea is we're going fishing, right? We're fishers of men, fishers of people. So we're trying to put our money where our mouth is and saying going forward, uh, we're going to be a more missional and corporate sense church. So that's the first of the plumb lines, missional, okay? Second one, faith. Okay, now what Christians would say, I, we don't need faith as a, as a plumb line or a value. Well, not many, but living that out is a different matter. Um, it has been said of our church that we are characterized by caution. Caution. There's nothing wrong with being wise, but if we're cautious, despite a call to be faithful or move in faith, that's a problem, right? So following Jesus, guess what? It involves risk. Following Jesus involves risk. And our church historically has been characterized by caution, by caution. So I think, I think we have some repenting to do in that regard, going, gosh, there's ways we need to be stepping forward and moving forward in faith, even though it isn't, it's risky. Because Jesus is saying, come on, let's go. So we're called to be people of faith. Uh, did you hear the Old Testament passage in Exodus, right? They're following the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. When God, when it moves, they move. That's kind of the pattern we're trying to abide by. When God asks us to step forward and risk, we want to step forward. Even when we don't know all the answers, even when we don't know what the next step is, we're willing to take risk as God leads us. So, for example, right now I'm telling you all that I know. I don't know the next three steps. The vestry does not know the next three steps. This is what we know. And so we're laying it out there and saying, here's what the Lord's calling us to. We're going to take that step. And when the next one comes, we're going to take that. When the next one comes, we're going to take that. So faith. Faith over caution, if you can hear the context around that. Okay? Faith. So we want to be those kind of people. Third piece. This may not surprise you either. Uh, we're Anglican. Yeah, Joel, I know that. We're Anglican. Um, 
back in the, uh, I think it was last year sometime, I said we are Christians worshiping in the Anglican tradition. In that order. We need to keep that order straight. Christians in the Anglican tradition. But what we want to do is more fully own our Anglican heritage. We're part of the ACNA, okay? That's the orthodox expression of Anglicanism in the U.S. That's the tribe we're part of. Uh, so we're going to be loud and proud about that. We're part of the ACNA. We're an Anglican church. Our new logo, if you notice, it says Anglican church in it. Previously, it did not. So we felt like that was an important thing to mention. In a very church city like Charlotte, this is a distinctive. It is. And we're currently the only church in Charlotte city limits that is Anglican. We're it. We are it. That is strategically important. That is spiritually important. I'm convinced of it. So in this Anglican piece, I think we need to stand our ground and dig in and hold our position rather than sort of retreating to the suburbs as has happened historically with some churches. And there's something to staying in Charlotte and being an Anglican church. But what flavor of Anglican church are we? Because there are different flavors, right? High church, low church, middle church. We kind of fall somewhere in the middle. I'm going to borrow some old language, which those of you who are, um, remember the old Anglican mission in America days, you're going to remember this language. We want to be a three-stream church. Spirit, sacrament, scripture, the three S's, okay? And in my mind, those three S's merely describe a healthy biblical church, kind of like the early church. So spirit, sacrament, scripture. That's the kind of Anglican church we want to be. Spirit. We want to be people who walk in the Spirit, who are guided by the Holy Spirit, who are listening to the Holy Spirit. We want to be living and operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not cessationists. We want to be a church, a sacramental, second S, a liturgical, historical church. We didn't just cook this up this week, right? We're connected to the ancient practices of the early church, and uh, we practice Eucharist every week. We do baptism. I mean, we're, we're a sacramental church. I could go on and on about that, but that's probably good. Thirdly, Scripture. We're evangelical in the historic sense, which is different the American, than the American sense. Uh, there's a fidelity to the Scriptures that we have as authoritative for our lives and for our faith. So speaking of plumb lines, that's a big plumb line. So spirit, sacrament, Scripture. We're going to be a three streams Anglican church. Those values are really important. Now, I'll be really clear. And I talked about this at the annual meeting uh, back in January. Spirit is the area we need to grow most as a church. That is absolutely our growing edge. I find that area tends to actually animate the other two. Without the spirit, you can end up with like either sort of a rote moralism or legalism or with a dead tradition. So without the spirit, all those jokes about the frozen chosen, who's heard those? Yeah, those begin to make a lot of sense, right? It's like, kind of the right liturgy and the right this and the right that, but like, you go into that place and the worship, you gotta feel like, is anything at stake? Or does anybody even care? Is anybody even present? Are they here? Are they worshiping? Are they engaged at all? Spirit, that is our growing edge. Uh, that was a big theme at the beginning of the year. I think it's even more relevant now. So we need to grow in that individually and we need to grow in that as a church. More life, vibrancy, and trust to be had. So, that's the Anglican piece. So we've got missional, faith, Anglican. Fourth piece, kingdom-minded. And I mean that on a local, local and a global level. Let me try to describe this. That may sound a little, well, I don't know how you do that. I'll just try to describe it. How's that? Uh, 
Being kingdom-minded on a local level and a global level keeps us from being too insular, keeps us from being too tribal as a church, where we kind of only stay in our little church bubble, our Anglican bubble, but we don't really branch out. It keeps us in touch with the big picture. That makes sense. It reminds us that God is at work in other places. So we joyfully acknowledge that and we join in on that. So we'd be foolish to reinvent the wheel instead of partnering with other people and organizations who are already doing good work here and abroad. So it's kind of that let's work smarter, not harder. So we look to forge fruitful partnerships with other organizations. That'll mean other churches, other NFPs, NGOs, whoever that is, trying to find these ministry partnerships based off a sense of shared mission, affinity, etc. You kind of get the feel. Let me give you some examples. This will put some skin on it, I hope. Local example. Uh, good chance that if we end up in East Charlotte, we're going to be sharing space with another church. Now, we could look at that as just paying rent and sharing space. And that's what we could do. Or we could look at it as partnering together in mission, partnering together in racial, racial reconciliation, and trying to build some sense of community and doing some things together. That would be a more powerful testimony and a more redemptive work, I think. That's a local example of how it could look. It might mean working with a not-for-profit uh, organization like Project 658. Might mean that. Uh, personal example, for me, one of the things that I'm on the hunt for is I'm trying to find a multiracial, cross-denominational pastors group in Charlotte. Because I want to be in conversation with those folks who are doing kingdom work. I don't care if they're Anglican. I really don't. It might be good to be around some that aren't because we can learn from each other. So that's a personal thing that I'm looking for. Global example, perhaps we rekindle our relationship with the Anglican Church in Rwanda. This church once had a uh, fruitful relationship, from what I understand, with the Rwanda Church. Maybe that's something we need to recultivate. That's been a very fruitful and symbiotic relationship. So kingdom-minded, the big picture, right? Keeps us plugged into what's going on in the larger scheme of things. Okay, so missional, faith, Anglican, kingdom-minded, last one. Now I'll let you, we'll move on. <laughs> cruciform living. Cruciform. That's kind of fancy, right? Anybody know what cruciform means? Hey, look at that. Reed's giving me this sign. It doesn't mean go away. He's not saying, boo hiss. It means something that's cross-shaped, right? And really, we're talking about Jesus-shaped. So cruciform means it's a Christ-shaped life, a Christ-shaped community. So if you'll notice thus far, I've only talked about how we relate to the world for the most part, like missional stuff, kingdom-minded stuff, outreach. What about how we relate to each other in the church? What about that? How do we conduct ourselves in the household of God? Cruciform living is just another way of saying we're going to do biblical community really are. So how do we treat one another? That's actually very tantamount in the scriptures. Look at the Ten Commandments. All about relationships. How do you relate to God? How do you relate to other people? It's important. Excuse me. Look at the epistles. How much ink does Paul, do Paul and others spill on this is how you're supposed to treat one another. Oops, you're acting this way. You shouldn't act this way. Let me correct this. Let me correct theology. It's all about how we're treating and interacting with one another. How we love or don't one another. So you want to see cruciform living in action. 
The Acts 2 passage today is a great example of that. It's a picture of this shared life and radical generosity, this picture of offering the whole of our lives in service of God and others. So let me give you three sub-points for cruciform living. One is spiritual health. Spiritual health. Um, I love this quote by Irenaeus. The glory of God is a man, or I'm going to say person. The glory of God is a person fully alive. Fully alive. Right. Passions, vibrancy, conviction, calling, growth in Christ. So spiritual health is a commitment to growth. Okay? A commitment to growth. Now, we all have seasons in our lives, certainly. Growth is rarely like this constant, steady, upward straight line. My life does not chart that way, but the trajectory is upward. It may do this, but it's headed up. Okay? So spiritual health means we're intentional about growing in Christ. It means that stagnation is a sign of spiritual unhealth and that we're not okay with that anymore. You know, if you've been coming to Kings, let's say, for three or four years, and really you haven't grown much in Christ or in your faith, the church and you probably have some hard questions to answer. Of kind of going, you know, hmm, I guess I, we, need, we all need to rethink. So, stagnation is a sign of unhealth, and we're not okay with it. So spiritual health means things like we practice forgiveness means we practice reconciliation, means we love one another, means we're generous, means we're actually committed to handling conflict, not just handling it, but handling it well. We're committed to being peacemakers. So to be spiritually healthy, I mean, it's just a value, maturity in Christ, and to be committed to going, eating solid food and not milk. Kabish, Makes sense? Spiritual health. That's part of cruciform. I appreciate that. That was it. Yeah, it's like an underscore. Thank you. Second point of cruciform living, disciple formation. That is very carefully chosen. We want to renew our focus on discipleship, but let me say this. We also want to recast it in terms of spiritual formation. Okay? Biblical knowledge is not enough. The solution here isn't just... Let's offer more classes. Let's do more Sunday school. Let's add more stuff. Let me open up your brain and pour some facts in and good, you'll be more like Jesus. Folks, you can have all the knowledge of God in the world and still not be changed at all. It has to go from here to here. It has to come here. Knowing about God and knowing God are two very different things. Knowledge has to be ingested. It's got to be integrated. It's got to be experienced for it to become godly wisdom. We need to experience the Lord, not just learn about Him. That's what changes us. And we need to do that on a journey together, right? We need people to disciple. And we need people to disciple us. Disciples are formed, thus the language, over time. And we want to find more fruitful practices and rhythms of making disciples. So disciple formation. Second piece under cruciform living. Last piece under cruciform living. And if you can read it, you can see I threw some Greek at you, which isn't fair. I'll tell you what it means. Essential koinonia. Koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship. Now that might be something rather tame term. Oh, fellowship. That means we chit and chat after church and have a little coffee. Now fellowship in the New Testament sense is a very deep and rich um, sentiment. I mean, it's really strong. 
So am I talking about small groups? Yes, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Small groups in a sense. Christian community, it is that living lab where we work out a lot of what we find in Scripture. Relationships are important. Intimacy, vulnerability, safe places, those are important. Really journeying through life with a smaller group of believers. Because you're not going to be able to journey intimately with everybody out here. You're going to clump up. Oh, you're going to clump up with folks. And you're going to journey with them. Well, we want to be more intentional about that. Um, we want to journey through life with that group. We want to share in our joys. We want to share in our struggles. We want to share in our challenges. We want to enjoy our, each other's company. We want to play together, right? We can have a little fun, can't we? Everyone here needs to taste how good that can be. Once you taste it, I'm convinced you do not go back. It's kind of like once you start having Eucharist every week, pretty hard to go back to not. Once you've tasted and seen the Lord is good, hard to go back. Now, some of you are wondering, why is the small group thing such a big deal? Like, what's up with that? I, I could take it or leave it, right? I'm going to venture to say that's because you've never, either never been in a good small group and journeyed together closely, or you've been in a harmful one that's marked you. You join a good one, and it will change you. I promise you that. It is very sweet, and it is another avenue of growth for us. So I don't view uh, being in fellowship on a smaller level as something that's sort of like a church program or something that's optional. It's just something I see in the scriptures. So to say that our pastors need to be rethunk, that's a word, and recast, they do. They absolutely do. So we're thunking on that. <laughs> and we're praying on that and wondering about that. So that's essential. So cruciform living, spiritual health, disciple formation, Essential community, essential fellowship. Okay, we're going to move, move to close here. Now, it's been said of our church that King of Kings is a part-time church. Now, perhaps that's a fair assessment. That one hurts, but maybe it's fair and we need to go, okay, Lord. I hope you can clearly see that we are doing away with that sense of part-time church. That Sunday only church that we're just sort of a commuter church mentality. Really doing away with that. God is reshaping our identity. Changing culture takes time. It takes time and intention and conviction and, oh Lord, yes, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a tall order, everything I just described. Would anybody disagree with that? Do you guys hear that that's a tall order? You do. Uh, I've been so tempted the last two weeks, so many times. To try to downplay these things. I felt that temptation. Oh, let's just tone it down. Let's take the edges off it, right? Or uh, maybe I can put these, scale them back, put them into more manageable categories and goals, right? Things that are more attainable. But I gotta be honest, I, I wrestled with that and I just knew that's fear and control talking. Absolutely. That's not what God's calling us to. This plumb line I'm talking about is about the future of our church. It is. Where he's calling us for is the church. I have no doubt of it. So this identity we're living into is an Anglican church in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to own it. And it'll take time. It'll take time. That's, this is our bullseye. That's what we're aiming at. So we're talking more about all this in our all-church meeting on August 19th from 6 to 8. I cannot stress enough, cannot stress enough, cannot stress enough how important this meeting is. 
So please make plans to be here. If you can't come, make sure somebody from your household comes. Uh, if for some reason you just, it's impossible for you to come, watch the live stream. But it is really important. We're going to flesh all these things out. So mark your calendars and orient your, your, uh, your schedule around it. And pray alongside us during this time. Pray with us. This is something we're doing together. It's not just sort of the vestry here, you guys there. We're doing this together. So let me beckon us. Let's lean into Jesus together, right? With faith, with expectation. God is moving our church forward into a new season. We don't have all the answers. We don't know how to bring all these things to pass with a snap of our fingers. We're stepping forward in faith. We're taking a step. We're doing this together. But again, I'll tell you this, Aslan is on the move and King of Kings 2.0 is coming and is on the rise.